Live dal rooftop, mentre sistemano la mia sfumatura La guardo passare penso che sia veramente aerodinamica È una spremuta di crimine, lei vende il fisico come prima dello streaming Costume squame di squalo degli scorsi All right man, let's get into it Let's go, woo, alrighty Listeners, what's good man? Hope you guys are all doing well man Fucking pod's on time this week, holy crap The Wednesday pod is finally out on a Wednesday Folks, hope you're all doing well Man, welcome to episode number 159 of the Calcio Podcast. Sam Adamo coming at you. Oh, man, I hope you guys are all having a great week, man. You know, I'm in a good mood, man. I'm in a good fucking place at the moment. Everything's uh, everything's looking up, man. Everything's pretty exciting at the moment. I think my Juve are going to go on a little late Scudetto uh, run here. I'm not saying we're going to win, but I'm saying we could maybe challenge. I don't know. I'm saying Dusan Blaovic looks like a horse. Took him less than 13 minutes to score his first goal. I don't know. 13's a lucky number. Everything's boding well, man. You know? Zakaria scored a fucking fucking goal in his debut as well. You know? Inter dropped points to Milan. You know? Sandro Tonali looks like Gennaro Gattuso more by the day. You know, everything's looking interesting, man. You know? Things are things are looking pretty good. Andrea Petagna scored a goal. Over the weekend for, for Napoli as well. I'm liking this title race, man. I think if Juve can beat Atalanta this weekend, we've got uh, a nice couple of months coming up, you know, where, you know, some some shifting around might occur. I'm excited, man. Andrea Petagna. How's Andrea Petagna not gotten a look in for Eliazzurri at all since he made his debut a few years ago? Like, I know he doesn't put up a lot of goals, but I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he just feels like... It just feels it feels like he does all the shit that Ciro Immobile can't. And Ciro Immobile does all the shit that Andrea Petagna can't. But it feels like the shit we're lacking is the shit that Ciro Immobile can't do. It just feels funny. Like, it just feels funny that the guy's playing for Napoli and he doesn't even get a look in for a national team camp. You know, I think Andrea Petagna gets in to... Yeah, I think he gets a look in in the next year. If we qualify for the World Cup. I don't know why. I just have a feeling. You, you know what would be awesome? Because here's the thing. I just have this. I have this like pipe dream that I don't want to let go. Because I know he's not even. He's not even. He's not a prolific striker. I get that. But I don't want to let go of the thought. That. We could have a guy. Come off the bench for the Italian national team. That's like best friends. And business partners. With Sfere Basta. Fucking loves. Designer clothing. And. Probably eats a little too much pasta and Nutella. I think that's good. You know, I think that's an exciting prospect. He feels like the type of guy that has everything going for him to be written into Italian football folklore. Italian cultural folklore, even. It's not going to happen, but I love the guy, man. I'm happy he scored. Fuck Venezia. You know, they're going right down. It's really tough. It's it's really, honestly, like, I really don't know. The fucking... Fucking PR guy is still tweeting out long ass statements after losses, like losses that were comprehensive to very good teams. I think they're doomed, man. But yeah, bro, this week's pod's gonna be a little bit different. I always love sprinkling in these interviews with interesting people. Sometimes they're friends, sometimes they're people who I find interesting for other reasons who I uh, don't know very well, but who I'd like to get to know more and think I would just really fuck with. And I had an opportunity to do that this week. We've got Chris Italia on the podcast. Chris is out of New York. He's a 
he's a West Ham fan, actually, which is incredibly fucking random, but he's, I mean, he's got a really cool background. He's one of the owners and uh, operators at The Stand in New York, one of the most important comedy clubs in the city, and by extension, the country, uh, and sort of by extension, the world. He's got a couple of interesting projects going on within the world of comedy. He manages a bunch of stand-up comedians. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I thought he would kind of get my humor. I thought we would uh, we would jive really well. I had an opportunity to get him on. He actually wanted to come on to talk a little bit about uh, playoffs in Serie A as a concept. And we discussed it a little bit uh, later on in the pod. And he knows his shit, man. He's uh, he's a big sport guy. He used to be a journalist. He used to love sports in particular. So I'm not going to give too much away because he and I had a great uh, time just chopping it up. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, man. Uh, I will say, uh, so this was recorded last week. Uh, tonight, as I'm recording this on Tuesday, uh, February 8th, really late. Uh, before this is out on Wednesday, I, I fucking had my first comedy show, man. I had my first stand-up set, my first, uh, my first spot, and I gotta say, coming back onto the podcast is so comforting, man. <laughs> like it, it, it went okay. It went okay. I got some laughs, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think there, there's something to work with. It was not a professional uh, gig by myself. I mean, I, I definitely need to to work on a whole lot, but I also think the bones are there, and I think I didn't do a good job of sticking to my script and I realized bro uh it's really different to do just share thoughts live on stage with a time limit because usually there is like a time constraint uh so it's very different to do that than to speak freely on the podcast and it made me realize like how awesome the podcast is because it's so it's so great to be liberated and just speak freely. And I've developed the muscle where I could just speak for like an hour now or more by myself and just riffing. And, you know, obviously you guys think it's entertaining. I would hope. Otherwise, you guys wouldn't still be fucking tuning in. But I think I found a really good formula for the podcast that I'm happy with and that I'm, you know, proud of um, how it's developed and how it's grown. And I, I want to continue to do that, uh, grow it and develop it. But it's very unique, man. I, I think it'll help me with the stand-up. But right now, I need to kind of forget. One thing I've noticed is I need to forget everything I've learned in the podcast and really like stick to delivering shit in a more tight, concise fashion. I think that's going to help me a lot. But Listen, we're off to the races, man, and I'm excited because I want to keep doing it. I, I've been writing for a long fucking time, and I'm just excited to get to start fucking around a little bit more and seeing what works and what doesn't. And I started tonight, man, and you know, there's, there's, I think some, there's some, listen, there's a lot to improve on, but there's a couple of positive takeaways right out the gate that make me think, all right, there could be something here that maybe in a year, um, will be a little bit cleaner, you know, and I'm excited to, to see where it goes, man. I really am. It's all I want to do now, but you know, Chris, uh, so Chris obviously deals with comedians, uh, all the fucking time. And that was sort of a, a, a really funny coincidental bonus reason, I guess, why, why he was an interesting guest for the pod in particular. So I really enjoyed my time with him, man. He's a great fucking guy. He's welcome back on any time. And uh, I think you guys are going to like him as well. Just a little disclaimer. I don't know why, but the fucking Zoom audio sucks cock. I don't know what's going on. Uh, 
I don't know. But it's it's all, it's all I could do, man. I mean, if I'm going to get a guy on in another city, I don't really have much other choice. I think I might know how to fix it next time. I might be able to record my own audio separately. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Genaletti and I used to do it on Zoom all the time for like a year. So I guess you guys, a lot of you fucking are used to it already. Uh, but, you know, whatever. I, I, uh, I still fucking love my time with him. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it very much as well. So without further ado, let's throw it over to my chat with Chris from last week. That'll be the pod this week. And uh, I hope you guys fucking enjoy it, man. All right? I'll see you on the other side. Let's go. So, so yeah, man. Um, no, it's great to have you on. I, I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you taking the time. And you're, you're a fascinating guy. I wouldn't say that, but I appreciate I appreciate the kind thoughts. Well, you are. You you've done a lot of cool things, and you've got a really cool story. You 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 you've got an interesting path that not a lot of people have taken. Not a lot of people are business owners. There there's that. Um, not a lot of people are in entertainment. Uh, Comedy is a really unique business. It's one that I'm fascinated by. Um, I'm a big fan of the art. I I'm actually. This is it's kind of a, a complete coincidence. Um, I'm actually, and listeners will know this cause I've been, I've been, I've been hyping myself up for a couple of weeks now. I'm, I'm starting, uh, I'm starting next week. I'm actually doing my first open mic. I'm wow. I'm, good for yeah, you, I got, man. Yeah. I got a, I got a set. Uh, I've been writing for a year now, so I'm looking to give it a shot. See where it goes. We'll see if I suck. We'll see how much shit I eat out the gate, but I love so the art. Works. Yeah. yeah. But I love the art, man. So no, you, you, you yeah. are a really interesting guy. You're, you're really interesting. You're, you're better than me because I, I love it so much, but I could never get on stage. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something I, I, I thought I could ever do. I, I know my limitations, and my limitations start when I have to speak in public <laughs> to yeah. a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. See, the difference is I, I have, I have a massive ego, and I have, uh, and I have absolutely, <laughs> I, I have crazy illusions of grandeur. Uh, I, I mean, I, so half the shit, half the shit I think is hilarious falls flat on his face all the time. Whenever I try to, because people don't get the sense of humor necessarily all the time. It's very dry. Sometimes people are very but, direct. Um, so, but, but I think it's, I think it works. Right. But so that's you, you need to be a bit, yeah. Trial and error. Trial and error. You need to be a bit disconnected. You need to be a yes. little bit insane. I think. Um, Absolutely. We'll see. we'll see. Yeah. You definitely have to be insane to do it. Is that one of the this things is, that you've noticed? Is think about all the helpful. rejection, all the rejection you're going to get. It takes an insane person to take on all that rejection and not have it phase them that you just keep going because that's how much you love something. If you, if you, you know, quiver at every, at every time somebody, you know, doesn't laugh or booze or says that's not funny, you'll never make it, you know, because it's not for them. It's for you. You know, what's going to be funny. You know, what makes you laugh. It's about what you think is funny. It's not about what they think is funny. That yeah, I love Norm Macdonald. They're going to catch up at some point. You know what I mean? You just got to worry about yourself. You would, you would hope. That's the thing. And that, that's, that's, that's the thing. Is a lot of people have unique senses of humor that right out the gate might be a little jarring. And when guys develop a fan base, I think then that helps a little bit because and, – and it takes mm-hmm. time in order to – build a fan base but if you have people that kind of understand inside jokes or just i mean if you look at jeselnik jeselnik's a guy who's very dry very very unique and if you watch him for the first time you might think he's a fucking psychopath and that's his bit that's his whole shtick it's an act but if you know that and you're kind of privy to it then it becomes funnier but like i i always love that about norm mcdonald too norm mcdonald felt like the guy who was doing it for himself he didn't give a shit if anyone was you know what i mean that was the impression yeah. i got even Ari said it. Ari Shafir said it 
I think on a podcast a few a few weeks ago, I heard him say that, like, geez, I don't know when this was. It might have been like last week. Uh, he might have been talking to Segura. I think he was on Two Bears One Cave, and he was saying, "It's for me. It's for me. You know, I don't give a shit. If you like it, great. You can go die. I don't care. <laughs> like, it's for me. It's for myself." That sounds. That sounds like Ari for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's that's awesome, no, man. that's the that's the kind of mentality you got to take because it really, really is about you finding your your way into it and then owning the craft, right? If you're worried about, you know, what the crowd does from, from set to set, I mean, it's, you know, there's some people who record every single set and like listen to the audience reaction and then like they'll check mark. Okay, this time I got a laugh. This time I didn't get a laugh. And to me, that's just so, I mean, to each his own, you can do whatever you want, but it can't it shouldn't be so analytical like that you you'll know when it when it's working you'll know when it's funny you just you'll just know so to me it's more about feel and understanding it rather than like a technical analytical thing where this time someone laughed and another time someone didn't so i don't know you know like i i can't i can't stand the i don't want to see moneyball creep into creep into comedy that's for sure oh that, you imagine you imagine yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not even sure where I'm not even sure how I feel about like analytics in football, for example. I mean, baseball, baseball is a little bit different because it's a game where like there's there's a lot of stoppages, right? There's a lot of stops. It, it, work, it, it works for baseball. Yes, it's well, it's one action over and over again. But for hockey, I know you're into hockey. I know you I know you like the Rangers and I know you played a little bit growing up. You used to play goalie. I remember I remember hearing that once. Right. Uh, is, is that is that, is that correct? I don't talk about I don't talk about that too much. Well, no, no. well, 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 it happened, uh, right? You mentioned I was it not very soccer. good. I was I was not very good, but yes, I played I played goalie. Yeah. So, you know hockey. You know a little bit about soccer. You're a West Ham fan. We can get into that in a little bit, but like I don't know if I don't know how well it works in hockey. For example, they have this thing called the Corsi metric. I, I I'm yeah. I'm really skeptical of it. You got like analysts like Pierre Maguire who always say, you know, I don't need fucking numbers to, to, to tell me what I see. Uh, right. I trust my own eyes. That's also like, it's, that's also kind of a bit of a Napoleonic complex. It's like, dude, like if something can fucking help you, you know, just, just use it. Sure. But yeah, th- there's some things where th- there's a lot of randomness that comes into it. Comedy is obviously one of them. What's funny is random, right? W- what happens in a game, a bounce is random. Baseball is a little it, different because it's, it's, it's a, completely it's, subjective. So how could you pitch. It's completely subjective. So how could you put an analytical statistic on it? You know what I mean? I don't know how you can do that. Whereas baseball, it's all statistics. It's all about the stats. So if you can uh, get an advantage based on stats, then use that information. But in, in terms of being creative, I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see how that, that can work for a sport like hockey, where it's a lot of back and forth a lot of skill play again team play skill play i don't see how analytics can really help as much as it would in baseball yeah football and like american football i say football for as as in soccer calcio i kind of use it interchangeably but like american football is another one where it definitely works you got to look at the percentages where you're at because again you're stopping and you're starting but right. yeah it's, it's also a reason to why me, i think like yeah sorry no, no go, go on to me the, the, you know in, in terms of analytics in, in like soccer, I would only, I would believe that the only place for it is penalty shots. You know? Like, yeah. They aggregate no data way. based on, 
what the odds are of a goal in given situations, but each situation is kind of unique. That's where it, it's just like a cluster of data, I think, where they try to get as close as they can, but it's pretty inexact. Right. Um, I don't know. But like I was talking about this on the pod last week, um, which is like just some sports are easier to fix than others. And baseball is one of them. Like if you get a pitcher in your pocket, you, I mean, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a mob guy and you want to get, you know, if you want, if you want to swing a result, oh, yeah. just get a pitcher in your pocket. That's it. What are you going to do? Get Listen, a midfielder in your pocket in, 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 in football, right? It's really difficult. I, I followed one of those stories uh, when I was a journalist and uh, you know, it's rampant. It's more rampant than you think. That's why I gave up on baseball years ago because it just, it's so corrupt. The really? game is so corrupt. It's, it's riddled with steroids, riddled with HGH, it's riddled with gambling athletes who lose money and then fix their own games. You know, So many games, too. Like, each individual game so is kind of insignificant in the grand scheme of things, too, right? Yeah. Whereas a football There's game, no reason you throw why an is... NFL game, you're, like, you can oh, swing and, in the season. And everybody will know, too. There's such a, there's such a shining light on, on each and every game that – They'll figure it out, but under 162 games, you could hide, especially as a, as a pitcher. You could hide as long as you play it right and uh, have a system and you, and you win some games, you can definitely hide the games you throw. Whatever happened to that screenplay you wrote about that pitcher who, who was into that? One, one, day, one day, if I ever make it in this business, I'll, I'll definitely make that movie, but that guy is around. He's still around. He's not playing anymore, but he's, uh, you know, he survived a full career uh, and, you know, rode off into the miserable sunset that he now lives in. So he he was a guy from my neighborhood that I, you know, that I kind of, I didn't grow up with him. He was older than I was, but uh, he was well-known and he it was well-known who his circles were. And the people he hung out with and the people he was around. So, you know, it wasn't that hard to find out that he was part of a, you know, a, a, a scheme to throw baseball games. You know, it just kind of fell on my lap. And then we, you know, we explored it as much as we could. And, you know, because of the people involved, you know, it got shut down, you know, like, you know, like anything else. <laughs> I mean, can, I was a, and I was a young, I was a young reporter at the time. I was maybe twenty years old, just breaking in, and uh, nobody wanted to touch it because they thought I was throwing. I was risking my career, so right. I don't know. Well, do, do, do you want to get into depth as to like what exactly happened without naming the guy's name? Because this is the most fucking New York story ever. <laughs> so basically, uh, basically, he, the guy grew up in a area where there was a lot of WAPs, let's just say. Right. A lot of a lot of connected WAPs and uh and I guess they kinda of hung around them even through college and even through like, you know, his early days and like after being drafted and stuff like that. Apparently his dad got really sick. The dad was uh you know kind of a compulsive gambler, you know, drinking a lot, liver liver like shut down, whatever. He owed a lot of money, and he owed, and he was basically, you know, if he didn't get, if he didn't get help, he was gonna die because, you know, they didn't have health insurance or whatever. He didn't have a job. Holy shit! So some people offered to help out because, you know, they didn't have money. They were, they were, they were, you know, low middle class uh, family. Uh, all the other kids worked, 
and uh, he was like their last hope. You know, he was he actually went to like a very small school because he was working himself, and he couldn't he couldn't fulfill what was needed out of like a full scholarship school, like like I don't know, like for a Division One school, like like a big Division One school. So he went to small Division One school, and there was less. Uh, work for him to do, but he had he had talent. He had the stuff. So anytime he'd go up against some of the bigger hitters, like you know, I, I remember in one game he went up against like Mo Vaughn while he's playing at Seton Hall, you know, and just Mo Vaughn was like everybody knew he was destined for greatness, you know, and he was going to be one of the best hitters in, in baseball one day or whatever. And in college, you know, they went up against each other, and he mowed them down every single time they played against each other. So, you know, they looked at this guy like, oh, we're here to scout Mo Vaughn, but, I mean, who the fuck's this guy? You know, he's got, you know, fastball, 90, he's throwing 97-mile-an-hour fastballs. This is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. So because he took the help of these guys, right, he thought they were just doing it as friends, right? But he had them, they had him on a hook for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hospital bills, gambling debts, all that stuff. So when he got to the major leagues, within the first season, they approached him and said, "Hey, it's nice that you got you know you start here, but we need to we need our, we need our money back." And the guy's like, "What? You know, I told you I was good for it. As soon as I you know make a little money here, I'll start paying you back. Like you know, if you want, I'll give you a down payment now. Like it doesn't work that way. It wasn't a loan. You know, it's a gambling debt. It's not a." You know, we got a vig on it, you know, and so this guy didn't even realize that all of a sudden he was into them for like, you know, whatever it was, you know, and uh, he felt like he had to repay. And he's like, what do you what do you guys want me to do? And that's how it happened. They got they got him on the hook and then he got into it. He became, you know, he was like, a, you know, to say he was like an alcoholic. And he got into it himself. He started gambling on shit all the time. He would gamble on himself to win or lose sometimes. When he knew he was going to throw a game, he'd gamble on it. When he, when, he, when he wanted to win, he'd gamble on himself to win. So he was all in, man. And he'd have different people putting in bets for him. So that's the part I know. I know about, you know, all his dealings with different bookies um, and, you know, just all the things he did throughout his career to get himself right. And then eventually, you know, he kind of like beat it. Uh, and, you know, the guy, I got to say, the guy pitched in the World Series and he didn't fare well. And it was surprising to a lot of people because they thought, you know, he was going to be a weapon. And I feel like he was, you know, he was compromised in that World Series. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how the story goes. And, you know, again, I got shut down. I was a young reporter. They just, you know, I had very strong sources. I was confident in the people I had because I had baseball players off the record, you know, confirming this. And, you know, that's to me, that's all I needed. I needed, I just needed his teammates to tell me it was happening. And they did. They told me it was happening. And I even had his, like, uh, you know, coach just, he didn't admit it, but he didn't, like, say no. 
And it was kind of just part of the deal. It was kind of accepted because they had a system in play where, listen, you throw muffins this game. And, and they protected, it is what and, it is. And they also protected this guy. For some reason, everybody protected this guy for see, the most part. See, so is that the worst thing in the world? Think about it. Like, I get that. I get that. Like, a, like a fan will never understand that, right? A fan will, you know, a fan, a fan will scream bloody murder, right? How could you do that? Fuck, you know, the, 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 the Yankees are my life. How could you do this, right? I'd kill the play for the Yankees. You're fucking throwing games. What do you think you are? But at the end of the day, like, again, if I'd everyone imagine, involved I'd, is kind of on the same page, I'd imagine no, I'm that, no foul. I'd imagine that he felt he had to do this. And then he got caught up in it himself. Like he got addicted to it. Because no, he it's not hard to do. Because when he would when he was clear of debts, he kept doing it. And he would just get delivered bags of money, bags of cash. It's hard to say no to bags of cash, man. It's, it's a cash it. cow. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that, that's that's the thing. That's the thing. And then there's I mean, people people get addicted to it on their couches. Imagine thinking that you can you could sway everything you could swing a lot of, the a lot of power control the variables a lot of power to have especially as a pitcher i mean you control the game you literally control the game that must happen so much in world football too like in lower divisions and like fucking you think in like the fourth division in italy you hear stories about that happening all the time yeah. god damn well does man people get people get blackmailed all the time and they get on the hook and you know degeneracy exists everywhere so that that's that's how the hell that happens. I mean, it probably happens all the time. I just don't I just don't know how it would happen in soccer at the same level of like proficiency as as a pitcher. Depends in depends who they get to. How high up the chain do they get to? Do they get to the coach? Do they get to the star player? Do they get to the goal the goalkeeper? Depends on who they get. It's, it has to be an impact player, somebody who has the ball a lot. You would think. Yeah. I mean, you got to think like when you were younger, you wanted to get into sport journalism. That must have been like, I mean, when you grow up and you think about going and doing that craft, if someone could have told you that you would have had the opportunity to get a scoop like that and that you would have never been able to break it. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's like the Holy Grail. It still devastates me to this day. I mean, you know, I've I've gone on to, you know, do other things and. You know, I, I in, in journalism and I've won like awards and all that other stuff, but that story, that story still haunts me. It still haunts me because it comes out one day, man. Because I know, I know what had happened, and there's nothing I can do about it. I know that's a happened. weird one. Yeah, it's like knowing you have the biggest dick in the room and not being able to take it out, and everyone's saying you have a fucking small piece. <laughs> sure, something like that. And you're like, and you're like, listen, what the fuck am I gonna do? You, you want me to fucking whip it out? Jesus Christ, I'm married here. It's, it know? was frustrating. It was frustrating. Like, you know, every editor I I worked with on that, uh, every every writer I worked with on that, they were all scared shit. They just didn't know. You know, they didn't know how far they could take it, and they you were worried. They were worried about like. You know, this is gonna ruin me in the locker rooms. Like I got, I got, like uh, one guy said. You know, I just got started on the baseball beat. He's like, you know, this is this is a dream for me. So if I go in with this story, people will start, sh- you know, not talking to me anymore. Yeah, yeah, I can't have that. I need my sources. I need to be in on the team. So like, I got a lot of that. And I'm like, at some point, I just told my editors, I don't want any sports writers on this story. Give me the news writers. Give me the you know, let me work with an investigative team. And they're like, journalistic integrity. 
And they're looking at me and they go, who are you? You were just like this fucking 20-year-old But you know what? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Listen, as a 24-year-old kid who, who, who got disenfranchised with, listen, so I used to work, I used to work for, uh, for an MLS team. I know you're an MLS. Again, we'll get, to, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I kind of got disenfranchised. It wasn't for me. I, and, and, and I signed a contract saying that I can't disparage them in any, uh, in any form on any platform. So I'm not going to do that. And I don't have any intention to disparage them because I don't, you know, I, I, I believe in the, in, in the, in the, in, in the process they're going through to, to, to become a winning team. Be, but it wasn't. We have to be able to be honest. That's yeah, but, but listen, I was idealistic, and it's like, listen, kid, that's not how it's done here, and it sucks. It fucking sucks because a lot of the time you do have good ideas, right? No. You have good ideas, and it's like, hey, who are you, right? It's what it is. But, you know, I'm, I'm on a different path now, and that, that's fine. So are you. It's, it's, part right. of, it's part of how shit goes. But I mean, I, I did the same thing in college. I signed an, an agreement uh, where I was going to get my, my – uh, some of my – tuition paid for by the school as long as I didn't shit on the college programs. Jesus. <laughs> but I still did. As a, as, a, as a writer for the school. Yeah, that's the thing. That's where you got to toe the line a little bit, right? And, then... and they were so pissed off at me that, you know, two years in, they took away your money. I'm like, freedom you know is, what? Is, it's just freedom fucking freedom money. I don't care. Yeah, there you, yeah, there, exactly. there you go. There you go. Uh, so how did you evolve into the getting involved with uh, the stand because it's obviously one of the, uh, it's one of the flagship comedy clubs in the country and the, and by extension, the world, how the hell did that happen? How, how did you, well, how did you I was, as we, as we mentioned, I was a journalist and uh, I was working, I was doing production work uh, and I was uh, doing a lot of research for like, uh, you know, different production companies and, and networks like A&E and their biography, you know, stuff. And uh, you know, I always wanted to tell, I get, for me, anytime I go on an investigative story and I would embed myself overseas or whatever, and I'd, you know, do some really dark shit, I'd come back and watch comedy. I, you know, that was my thing. I'd go to a comedy club, I'd listen to all my albums, whatever it was, just to get laughter back in me, you know, because I just went through like three months of shit. You know what I mean? So let me get, let me breathe again. You know what I mean? So, Same reason a lot of people, yeah. Same so, reason a lot of people do. When it came to them saying, "Hey, you've been, you know, you've been doing good work for us," like, you know, what story do you want to tell? I said, "Hey, this is, there's this whole scene of comedians that are fucking phenomenal people, and they all stick together, but they're all miserable somehow." You know, like I want to tell that story. I want to tell, I want to tell everybody how they come up with their material, being that that they're miserable all day long until they hit the stage. Once they hit the stage, it's like a light goes off. They turn into like, you know, these these guys that all they care about is making people laugh, making themselves laugh, and enjoying themselves. And so we, you know, uh, I teamed up with a friend of mine. We created a pilot. Uh, it didn't go, but what what wound up happening? The juices started flowing. You know, like everybody's like, "Oh man, that was great! You got to do more! You got to do more!" So we started, you know, working with comedians to create content even in the early 2000s when there wasn't a YouTube or really anything, you know, to put stuff out on. So we gained the trust of the comedians that we were working with. And then eventually they started coming at us with paperwork. They'd be like, Oh, look, you know, I don't have a manager. I don't have an agent, but you seem like, you know, what you're doing. <laughs> so that's how, how it often happens. Yeah. People Which fall, is, people fall ass backwards into that shit all the time. It's why you have so many brothers that rep their, uh, that rep their, Right, you know, exactly, the, the, exactly. The, 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 the they want, they want uh, superstar family. Right, right? 
they wanted they wanted someone they could trust. And I said, hey, I'm actually not that guy, but I'll do what I can. And then I kind of got thrust into that world of being a manager, and I didn't even realize it. And what happened was, was I learned on the job. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't always like you know the most professional manager. I didn't, I didn't have all the answers, but I would learn, 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 and then finally, you know, I started a company, and then here I have you know. 20, 30 clients at a time, and now I'm working full-time for them. And it just kind of happened that way. And it was an unconventional way to do it. It's rarely done that way. It's usually, you usually start out as a, you know, in the mailroom somewhere, and then become someone's assistant, and then you become their manager, you know, become a manager or whatever, and you climb up this ladder. And I was never interested in that. When I left journalism, I said, I'm never going to have a boss again. That's just not something. I just don't want it. So I'm going to do this for myself. If it works, it works. If it's not, then I'll go on to something else. So that's kind of how it happened. We, you know, by the by, to, by 2010, we had a full roster of people. And we're like, hey, what else do we want to do? We had been producing shows all over the country. We had taken comedians out on tour. And it never felt right. It always felt like we wanted a home for them. Mm-hmm. And so we found, you know, that's kind of how... My brother's in commercial real estate. He found us a spot, and that's kind of how the stand started. And it was a small space. Our first space was 2,800 square feet, you know, and then eventually we would move into the space we're in now, and that's about 10,000 square feet. And it's multiple rooms, restaurant, food, drinking. It's it's the kind of atmosphere I had always wished for when I was when I first got into this business. Every club I would go to was like this dingy place. Two drink minimums. The food was the food was garbage. The drinking, you know, the drinks were watered down. It was just the worst atmosphere to see anything. Why would I want to go see somebody in the worst possible place? I'd rather go somewhere where I'm 100% comfortable and ready to laugh. So we wanted to build basically a mecca for for comedy, and that's what we did. There's a place for it. There's a place for a shitty, grimy, dingy place, and I think there comics is, probably like is. to go there once in a while. But yes. it's also nice when you're when you're an A-lister to be able to go somewhere that feels a little bit more blue chip. Uh, I don't know. I, I have this expression I use all the time and I kind of alluded to it before, but like what you, you, you're talking about going through the mailroom and then climbing the corporate ladder, man, bro, that, that's Hollywood, man. That's what happens in LA. You know, the fucking yeah, way you did it, that's, that's New York. I couldn't do it. I that's New York, it. baby. That is fucking New York. That's the expression. I have this, like, this, there's something about New York as a concept. New York is, is, is this weird thing where, where people just move in different ways and people kind of behave by, by like flying by the seat of their pants and they just, People who are successful in New York just usually they, they they don't they don't necessarily plan it all out. It just sort of all had, falls in place. I've had opportunities to I've had opportunities to work at those bigger companies. You know they've wanted to buy us out, and like you know bring our bring our guys in and stuff. Absorb. Every time I, I look at that deal and I and I go look, it's lucrative because they're buying they're buying you know what I built, but then I have a boss and I don't want to. I just can't do it. I'm a boss. It's not New York. In New York, you have a fucking boss. I'm my own fucking boss. This is New York City. Get the fuck out and leave me the fuck alone. That's what that is. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah, There's a certain freedom to saying I can do and say whatever I want. Uh, You know, even though I had it, I went through it and did it the harder way. Uh, You know, it's, I'm not saying it's easy to be an assistant for somebody. I'm sure it's, probably the most tedious thing 
in the world and really fucking hard to deal with some guy's jerk off personality. But for me, it's just like, I know what's going to happen. The minute somebody tells me I'm a fucking this or I'm a that, I'm going to tell them to go fuck themselves and I'm out of a job. So let's not go down that road <laughs> and yeah. let's figure out this on our own and, and, and keep going on this momentum that we've built because it felt good. We felt like we had made a lot of strides. So like we're doing it, you know, we're actually doing it. So let's just keep doing it and see how far this takes us. And you know, who have you, uh, yeah, good. yeah, no, no, sorry. Who have you got in your lineup right now? That's I'm sure you got a bunch of guys that you believe in, but who, who's an underrated guy that you uh, personally are really excited about? Maybe he's like your type of comedian, just in terms of your, 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 your taste. You know what I mean? Because because I'm sure you rep guys who you like as people, but maybe their style isn't necessarily. Uh, I, mean, I, I love storyteller. Like. I love storytellers because I'm a storyteller. So I have. Uh, two kids, one from East New York, uh, named Gaster Amante, who's a true storyteller. He is, he is absolutely the biggest smalls of comedy and he's about to just Holy take shit. off. And, uh, he just appeared on like, uh, on Ed Helms new show on, on Peacock called true story where he tells a story about himself. Okay. Um, uh, but he's this great guy. He's, you know, Dominican from the hood like survived the worst shit, has a family now and has a lot to say. So for me, I gravitate towards that. And then there's guys like Ian Laura, who's fantastic. Another Dominican kid from Queens, really funny. The jokes are so sharp that you can't ignore it. He's like undeniable at this point. Every joke is carefully crafted. He's like an assassin. Mm -hmm. So I like that style too. Uh, and these guys are literally, you know, they're on the cusp of just breaking out. And so to me, those guys, those guys I work with, you know, we're very hands-on in everything we do, uh, and they're about to take off. But like, I have a lot of other guys too. I can go on all day about guys like Drew Dunn that's about to break out. Um, you know, Vlad Kamanyo already, uh, already broke out. I have Rich Voss has been around forever mm -hmm. and he's fucking amazing. Bonnie McFarlane, who I adore, she's, you know, she's killing it. Um, so there's plenty of people there that keep me busy and uh, probably would hate me if I forgot their name. <laughs> yeah, but, well, I'm, not, but, no, I'm not trying to put you no, on the no, spot. But it's fine, it's yeah. fine. But they, but it's, it's a healthy group of people that are really working hard. And I only work with people that work hard. I, I can't stand, uh, I can't stand people that, you know, get signed by a management company or an agent and then just go, all right, you guys, you guys do the, do the work. work do the, do the it's like, no, you got to give me something, you. you know, like, it, and sometimes you sign guys very young. Like we signed this guy left for very yeah, I young. Know him. I know him. I know him. I actually <clears> subscribed to him on Patreon. He's my, he's my age, but he's been doing it for a long fucking time already for a couple he's of years. He's been doing it since him. he's 18. He's had yeah, to he's figure awesome. it out. He's had to figure it out. And even he'll tell you, I just started hitting my stride. And I think I got it now. And it's fucking refreshing when they say that because it's like, oh man, I'm about to jump on this ride with this guy and ride it. You know, like it's going to be awesome. And I'm happy to be there with them every step of the way because that's part of the business, man. When you get to, when you get to experience what they experience, the feeling is just as good. 
I take on all the rejection. I get most, I get more rejection than they do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes I don't even tell them about the rejection I I get. Uh, So, and I'm happy to take those hits. I'm happy to take it. No matter how bad they are, how good they are, I'm happy to do it. And sometimes they don't understand that. And, but that's part of growing, growing into it. And I think somebody like Lev, again, like he's finally figuring out what he wants to say. And it takes about five or six years before you realize this is what I want to say. This is, this is what makes me happy when I go on stage, or this is what makes me happy when I do my podcast. I want to talk about this. And that's, that's where Lev is now. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out, man, because I started off with I started this thing off with a friend. We were two guys in college and he's a Milan fan. I'm a UF fan. And we started talking about football. Then uh, it got boring because everyone started fucking talking about football. I mean, there are other podcasts out there that do the same thing. So it's like, Jesus Christ, what's the fucking difference? Right. We're not journalists. And it's also it's also it wasn't exciting. It didn't get my dick hard to only talk about tactics and shit. I do that with my coach. Right. And and no one wants to hear me blab on about shit that they can I don't know that they can hear I mean, other I, people who I, watch I, more football. I, I could I could I could I actually like what the common person, not a non-journalist, has to say about about the sport. I like talking to fans about yeah. the sport. To and me, that's more interesting. That. Yeah. I appreciate that, and that's why it's still an element of what I do. But over time. I don't know. My, my, my buddy got more disenfranchised with it. He's, he's a chartered accountant now. And I was saying increasingly wild shit. And he's like, all right, listen, like, like this, you, you, you kind of need to go off and do your own thing. I'm not really like fully into this anymore. I got to watch what I say, even though I don't necessarily love it all the time. I, right, right. We, we, we weren't quite on the same wavelength. So he took a step back and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to keep this shit rolling. And now I don't only talk about it, but fucking Caltro's still in the name. I don't know what the hell, like it started off where I would just observe random shit in in in, well, in city and it's all it's always it's always the world it's, it's always it's, it's always fun. you right it's always you so you can name it or change the name to whatever you want as long as it's always you yeah so, I'm, I'm i'm figuring that out still you know we're, we're i'm gonna see where it goes and how and how the next step goes for me like and how i evolve because again stand-up's a whole different form I'll, i want to see how good i am at it and where the potential is and what what sticks what doesn't and i want to start eating shit a little while for a little while and you know kind of get that out of my system so i can start to, so i could start to you know so i could start to, to, to see what works and then maybe the podcast will evolve as the listeners evolve because right now the only people that listen primarily are people who like soccer and that's okay you know uh but but i'd like it if it could be a bit more Wrong. varied. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. And then once in a while, I come back around to it. We'll see. Um, and and we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about soccer for sure. But dude, there was one thing that fucking just popped into my head bef- that that uh, I wanted to ask you about because it's super interesting, and I didn't want to forget it before we start going off on a tangent about soccer, where we'll kind of I think take this uh, for, for 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 the second uh, portion of, of of our of our chat here, and that's. Uh, uh, wit, um, this new business you got going on here. I want to know about it because you talked about just the management and how you try to find opportunities for some of the people that you rep. Does wit? Because I I have a very preliminary understanding of what it is. I mean, I know it's not really there's not a lot of detail about it. I read a variety article on it, but otherwise, um, I don't really know a whole lot about it other than the fact that it's just a comedy streaming platform uh, that you're looking to launch. How's well, what's what's that about? How do you see it evolving? And sure. Um, to me, to me, there's a, I know people might think there's like an overabundance of comedy now on streaming services and TV, but I think 
I think the opposite. I think we've lost uh, we've lost a lot of comedy. We, comedy Central you know, com- said it's, comedy it's Central Netflix and that's it. You know, it's, it's, they, it's they've come out and said it. And that's it. They've come out and said it. But I grew up at a time, and I've said that in the in a post I wrote on on Instagram. I I grew up at a time where I come home from school, turn on the TV, and I was stand up playing all the time. That that's gone. That connection between potential fan and you know and 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 a comedian it's gone and i want to bring that back i want to bring that ability to see comedy 24 7 back and i'm not talking about streaming i'm just talking about turning something on and discovering people you didn't see before or getting to see something a piece of that you hadn't seen before either you know what i mean so we want to bring fresh content fresh comics to you 24 7 that's that's the idea and it has to and it's a channel that plays all day long it's not a streaming thing although there'll be an on-demand aspect to it this this is more about programming a network programming a network with unapologetic comedy uncensored comedy where people can discover it in its raw stage and uh you know there's nothing like it and i just felt like fuck, man like you know i built this comedy club for my clients and for comedians I love. And, you know, what's the next step here? It's the next step is to take what we built physically and bring it into the digital world and and expose people to the things that we see every night at the club. You know what I mean? Check that into my veins, man. Yeah, right. the, the, the only thing is like, and and I'm sure if you're if you're launching this with the understanding that some of the shit that came before it maybe fizzled out, I assume you're probably going to try to go in a slightly different direction. But the thing with Comedy Central is at the end of the day was a network. And with that, you have, you know, you have a bunch of people that are trying to sort of appeal to the crowd and to the masses and kind of feel public pressure in ways that comedians don't. And as a result, there's a disconnect between the people producing the content um, and the people creating the content, the creators of the content being the people that come up with the ideas, the people that produce the content being the, the network, right? So I don't know, man, like I have a theory... I have a theory about just just comedy in general. It has to be completely buck wild. It has to be uncensored and you have to let the comedians be responsible and accountable for the shit they say. You don't have to fucking hold, you know, Spotify accountable for the fact that Joe Rogan's saying X, Y, Z on their platform. I understand why people do that, but you as Spotify, the best thing you could do is say, hands off. Listen, all we're doing is giving the guy a voice. He could, you know, people are free to listen or not, you know, likewise, you know, comedy central, right? Let people say the N word if they want to and let people fucking eat shit for it and get canceled. But it it shouldn't fall back on the network. But the problem is you have people who have mortgages that have kids they want to send to school. And, you know, they're they're like, listen, I, I gotta, I gotta keep, I gotta, I gotta keep our, 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 our company's name, my employer's name out of the, you know, out of the limelight for the wrong reasons. And I got to keep my job here. So I'm going to try to appease people. And that's a, it's a really tough balance, right? Because you've got like the, a lot the of market, what, what does the market really want? Right. You've got a vocal bunch of people that'll come out and claim all outrage, I, but is that really what the market wants? I, I don't know. It's unclear to me. All I, all I can do, is, right continue, thing to do is, all I can do is continue to curate what we've already done. So if people like the stand, if people like the type of comics they see at the stand, if people like, you know, experiencing what you experience when you walk into the place, that's wits. That's basically what it's going to be. It's going to be that type of environment. 
there will be something for everybody, but it's going to be subjective and I can't worry about that. I got to just, you know, I just got to program it the way we all, we know how already. And if that's going to, if that formula worked in a physical sense, I would hope it works in a digital sense. And if it doesn't, we pivot, we figure it out. But for the well, most good. part, I feel like we, we've gotten to a place in our careers where we kind of know what people want and what, what, what's acceptable and what people want to see. And we're never going to kowtow to the special interest groups that, you know, think something's offensive or think that, you know, oh, that shouldn't be there. And then, and if you keep putting that person up, we're going to boycott. Well, I mean, then this isn't for you. You know what I mean? I'm I, not, I, I, can't, I can't worry about that person. Listen, I'm also not trying to make you fucking issue electoral promises here saying we pledge not to do this or do that. You got to evolve, right? Shit happens and you fucking, you, you fucking roll sure. in the punches. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a nuance of, of, of producing or putting out diffusing content that people have to be aware of now when getting into it. It's a weird one, but you know, I wish you the best, man. I, I, I you, you've had success in the other ventures you've fucking taken on in the field. And I, I, I think, I think, that bodes well. Uh, so, so I, I really, I mean, how many, how many times, a fan of comedy, man. you know, how many so, times yeah. people have told us, uh, not to, not to put up our fear because it was controversial views. No, I mean, I, no, I, no. I, I, dozens and dozens of times we get, we get calls, we get bomb threats, we get all kinds of calls for boycotts and it's like, no, the guy's working here. That's it. He also That's works. good for business. I he think bomb works. threats are good for business for Ari <laughs> Shafir. That's good. There's nothing better that could happen to Ari Shafir than him getting kicked off of Instagram and getting fucking re-invited re re back into the club I, and just I getting canceled. You know, if you're it's a guy healthy. who's uncancelable, oh, it's, 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 it's required in that ecosystem. It means he's right. doing a good job. I mean, people forget about the amazing racist. Like, like the, the, the guy was... It was great. All, he's always been that guy, man. He's right. always ever been that guy. You're not going to change a 47 year old man that 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 does drugs no. like a 22 year old man. I always call him more Woody the Woodpecker because he's always instigating and he's always getting in trouble for like yeah. dumb stunts. You know what I mean? He's a but wild I, man. He's a wild man who fucking turned his back on 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 faith and kind of said, you know what? This whole this whole. Orthodox upbringing isn't for right, me. Right, I, I'm going right. to go off and do whatever the hell I want. I'm going to go to Ecuador for six months at a time. I'm going to fucking do stand-up comedy. I'm going to shave a mohawk into my fading, receding hairline. I don't care. I'm going to do it all. He's exactly what I it's, it's why It's why people appreciate him, man. Dude. Yeah, what, yeah what, he's great. He's great. And so, the, the, so what happens is we're launching officially. We're launching Wits officially at South by Southwest. Uh, it'll be on multiple platforms uh, like Roku and uh, Xbox and stuff like that. Let's go. Oh, that's fucking uh, awesome. So we'll announce those carriers as we get closer to that. And then after, and we'll be adding carriers, you know, as we go along throughout the year, next year, whatever. It'll, it'll just keep getting picked up the more deals we make. Uh, but we're excited. We're excited about what it, what it could potentially be. And we're starting off with, about 70 or 80 hours of footage and and stand-up no one's ever seen before. So we're excited about that too. Yeah, and you got the venue for it as well. You could put it on. Right, we're gonna, the, the we're gonna be doing- physical brick and mortar spot that you got. We're so gonna be doing some live streaming stuff. We're gonna be doing some live streaming stuff from the stand, which has never been done. So we're excited about that because in the moment, you know, anything can happen. So 
you know, things like that. We'll do like a live crowd work show with Big J Okerson. He has a show called What's Your Fucking Deal. Okay. We've done it. We've done two seasons of that for another another cable network. But to do it live is something we've always wanted to do. So, you know, we're, ex- we're, we're excited to do that. Yeah, live works if you got an audience there. Where it becomes weird is when you're doing Zoom comedy. I think everyone realized that that Worst. falls flat on its face. But 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 if if you're putting a camera in, uh, I mean it's it's basically like it's basically like a a, a, a televised set, but it's happening live yeah. in real time where anything could happen, where someone could fucking heckle or someone could whip their dick out or something. That's you know the uh, the, the 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 possibility of chaos is there, and I think that that that's good. You know, I think that. As in yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the you know the element of of surprise and the anxiety that comes with it. So I'm, I'm hoping for some. It's awesome, some man! It's, it's like watching live sports. Happen. It's like watching live sports. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, uh, why West Ham? You, you got the Hammers hat on. Why the hell? Uh, why the hell are you a West Ham fan? I mean, you're more because than you're more, you're more than welcome to support anyone. It's just it's just a little unusual. Why why them? Because I love torture. That's a lot. <laughs> You're a sadist. We're having a good season. You're having a pretty decent season, man. I'm well, having a good on, season. On Listen, I'm a Jet fan, and I'm a, I'm a Knicks fan, and I'm a Ranger fan. And I, I've learned to love teams that are workmanlike and don't win all the time. And so West Ham just kind of fit easily into that, you know, into that into that role. I got frustrated with City. I was a, I was, all I watched was City Art for a long time. And then with all the scandals and all the bullshit and whatever, I just kind of gravitated to the Premier League. And I, I don't know, West Ham just kind of did it for me. And I got really into it. And they're a great team. They're having a great season. But this past transfer season fucking killed me because the fact that they didn't sign one player to help get them secured into the Champions League qualifying to me is like a missed opportunity. And I think with all the with all the injuries they got, I don't I, I just see a really tough, hard second half that I don't think they can survive because I don't think they have the depth for it. Here's the thing though. With sides like West Ham, you never see investment unless there's fucking like the threat, the threat of losing money, the threat of relegation, crisis management. That's why Newcastle right. went and spent an arm and a leg. Granted, I mean they, they <sighs> they've got new ownership, and I think this is their first. I think it was their first transfer window uh, as owners of Newcastle. Right. But right. regardless, you see it we, even Bre- like like even we even brought in this Brent- we brought in this we brought in this Czechoslovakian billionaire to take twenty percent percent of the team. I thought he was going to come in with money. Chris, how I old he was? I'm 42. 42 years old. You still say Czechoslovakian. You fucking Polly Walnuts. <laughs> the wall fell when you were 10. What are you doing? That's what they, that's what they called him. They called him a Czechoslovakian billionaire. Get the fuck out of here. Who called him that? Who called him that? All the newspapers, all the rags from London. They all called him that. <laughs> Czechoslovakian. Anytime I hear so, Czechoslovakian, I just think of Polly Walnuts and that, that fucking episode of Sopranos and the Pine Barrens. He killed, che- he killed 16 Czechoslovakians. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm really worried. I think that we had really good momentum. I thought 100% they were going to bring Lingard, Lingard back. They didn't. He wanted you know, to come back. He, I don't he, understand that. I just don't get why the hell. You po- pony up the $15 million to get him. 
Whatever it takes. Just it's a them. lot. Wasn't that for a loan? Wasn't that for a loan or am I crazy? I think they were asking the- for 20 mil for a loan from No, no, no. His his contract's expired. So that was all about just getting him here earlier. Okay. That's okay. All. Yeah. I don't know. I think if you're West Ham, you never want to be in the Champions League, man. I think like the, the, the further you stray from what? Europe, the better. You want to be what? just I don't know. That's you, what you, you strive be, for. You strive for the Champions League. I understand. I think you want to be in the race, and I think that's what kind of should keep you alive. I think that's that's I think I think it's an idealistic, it's it's a very idealistic thing. In principle, it sounds good, but in practice, when you guys have been in Europe, it really hasn't gone well in recent years. Like I think just, just the the they're doing well in Europe. They're doing well in the Euros right now. They they, they won their, their they won their uh, group. I can't I can't believe they're, it. They're about yeah. to you know hit the hit the uh, tournament, but like, I think they've done really well. I think they're uh, they they're a team that has kept their young players. I mean, keeping Declan Rice was important. They really needed to do that. Bringing in Jared Bowen not selling him now he's worth like 25 30 million they kept him ben rama antonio has now grown into this striker uh you know lanzini who's really grown up this past year too you know they kept these young players they kept this nucleus they brought in suchuk i mean these are these are really good players that was a good acquisition last year it was a it was last january was brilliant moves after brilliant moves the fact that they brought in Suchuk, they brought in Sufal, they brought in uh, Ben Rama. I'm like, these these were fantastic moves. They brought in Bowen, and I'm like, what? I'm like waiting for it to happen this year, right? I'm waiting for it to happen. They got Lingard on loan, and I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? Every day, I'm like, why haven't they made a deal yet? And what man, what am I th- what am I thinking of? What am I th- am I thinking of? Is it the Europa? the Europa League? the Champions League a few years ago. I think it might have been the Europa League where you guys – didn't you guys lose in the play-in? Is that what it was? We lost in the play-in. Is that we what it was? Yeah, yeah. We've never been, we've never uh, gotten a chance to do champ- – we've never even come close to Champions League in the last 10 years. This is the first time we've sniffed the Champions League. So when was a, it's, yeah, hard. It, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to, you know, like see all the progression and then like, look, we're just one or two players away. One or two players away, we're good. Well, and when, when, when was the first time you went to go see them? Did this you get to go to Upton Park? You, you never got to go to Upton no, Park? No, I never got to go to Upton Park, man. Well, I've only heard amazing stories. So. They tear it down? Is it torn down? I think it got torn. It's no? this, There's still pieces of it there. Uh, I don't know what they're going to turn it into. I think they're going to turn it into different soccer fields uh, for youth and all that stuff. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's happening, but it was, but I mean, I've only had the stories, but to really, to be in London stadium, to hear that crowd, it was fucking phenomenal, man. I, I, I've only had maybe one or two experiences like that in sports in my whole life to be there for that game, to open up against man. It was their opening game against Manchester United this, this past year. And it was a fucking an amazing atmosphere. Like, it doesn't come close to that, man. It really doesn't. Dude, how I mean, good I've is been... the f- yeah, yeah. The, 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 the food? The food is so good in fucking UK, in the in UK stadiums, man. In England, I don't know what it is, but they, they have this weird culture of of, of, of creating actually interesting yeah. fucking yeah. menu items. You, you eat with a fork and knife. Isn't that, isn't that unreal? Like pies and peas and I had, I had a steak. Gravy. 
Mistake. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to ask you. That's the so, thing. So you, you, you got to go to like the third division to get a really fucking good authentic experience where you're paying like three quid for uh for like pies and mash or something. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to spend twelve quid on a steak at uh you, you know I, 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 in in a seventy thousand seat stadium. I want to get a little. You know, I I, I want to hear rickety. Uh, I want to feel rickety seats. You want to go home. see? You want to go see Oxford United or something like that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> There's this account you got to follow on Instagram called Footy Scran. Yeah, Footy Scran. Like you scran okay. it. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. The worst. The worst, uh, the worst grub is bar none at Premier League stadiums of clubs who have been in the Champions League consistently the past 20 years. Man United, Man City, Chelsea, garbage, man. 18 fucking pounds for burnt sandwiches. It's brutal. It's brutal, man. Have you, have you been have you been to UV State the stadium? You I've been this? once. I've been once. And? Yeah, I went to Cristiano Ronaldo's first game. The food yeah. in the stadium is on. I mean, it, 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 the, the culinary experience was uneventful. Outside the ground, what they have is they have these like uh, they have like panzarotti. They have um, like they have they have they have they have sandwiches. It's decent. You didn't love, you didn't love the experience. You didn't love no, the I loved it. no, I loved it. I fucking loved it. I'm talking about food, like the the, the, the culinary experience. No, the culinary the culinary experience. Listen, I I didn't I didn't get I didn't get fish and chips. That's all. That's that's all. all Listen, right. I, I love Italian food. Italian food shits all over British food, but the British food experience in football grounds is well. What's good about because they accept they 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 appreciate slob. They like eating slob. They like feeling like slobs, and it enhances everything. They eat without inhibition, and it's better. No pretension. They don't have to fucking have a glass of red wine and fucking have a cigarette with it. No. What's good what's good about UK UK food is that they incorporate all kinds of food. So like you'll you'll see you'll see good Chinese food places. You'll see sushi places. You'll see great curry. You know Italian, yeah, great curry. A lot of Indian food. So a lot of lot of. Eastern so they Eastern. they know their own food sucks. So they allow for all these other foods to come in and. And you know, claim claim what they claim. So yeah, I appreciate I, that kind of self awareness. See, Italy's kind of a prisoner of its own. I mean, it's, it's kind of a slave yeah. to its own success, right? Because I mean, Italy knows Italy knows it's got the biggest hog in the room, and it knows that it's uh, it knows that its food slaps, right? What are they gonna do? What are they gonna <laughs> fucking do? They're gonna start fucking taking inspiration from people from Morocco that come to the north of Italy, and you know, and my and, whole and and and. and, and Say hey, like this couscous is pretty good, and it is fucking good. But they'll say, "Nah, get the fuck out of here. We, we, we don't need that shit. We're we're we're, we're the best, and we're, uh, we're 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 studs. We don't need any of that shit." That's you know, it, it definitely inhibits Italy a little bit. You do have some my whole life guard chefs like you do everywhere, but typically, like Michelin star chefs in Italy are um, usually more in tune with like the region and agriturismo yes. and that type yeah, of shit. And what's and what what the region grows. Whatever yeah. the region grows, and that's right? okay. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not fucking complaining. It's it it, it, it yields great stuff um, that's known the world over. But yeah, th- th- there's less openness to other culinary ideas generally. My whole life, know their food is the best, and they're okay with it. You know, my whole life I've been dealing with this uh, this ongoing problem as a Sicilian living in the in the states. Uh, I can't find an arancini that is as good. As I can get there, anywhere. You're you're from uh, you're from Trapani, right? I'm from the, the Trapani region, a small town called Partanda. Okay. And even in Partanda, the small town that it is, I can get the best arancini I've ever had in my life. 
I think the but grains are different, man. I think I think the grains are different in Europe. I think flour flour is different. I don't know. Pasta I don't know what it is. Bloat people as much. I'm not I sure. can't. I can't figure it out. I've offered. I've offered to bring these guys with me to New York, and they say no every single time. You know, you know what the fuck that is, bro. You know what that is? They're all talk, man. It's like, <laughs> you know what it is? They say, bye, take me to America. Hey, hey we wish to America. Hey, hey, hey. These guys are saying, no, don't take me to Everything, America. Everything, everything's easy. Everything's fucking easy over there, man. You're lucky. Every, what they do is they fucking complain. They love to complain about how shit everything is there and how, how fucking corrupt know, it all is. I, and you say, great. It's 2020, man. 2022. Come on over. There's a fucking plane. Like that. What, why? I got a phobia of flying. What the fuck? Uh, they all, they're all, they're all, they are all, you know what they're I mean? all scared of leaving. They're all scared of leaving. It is. And I, I've been trying. I've been trying. Like, I literally wanted to bring one of these guys over to New York, teach me how to do this, teach my chefs how to do it. I just can't find it. It's been, it's been a, I'm almost distraught over it because unless I go there, which I do, I go there every couple of years. I can't, I can't have it when I want it. And I, you know, I'm a fatso. I need, I need, I need an genie in my life. You know, I understand. I understand. But you know what would happen if you bring Salvatore over from Partana is he would fucking, he would, he would, he would freeze like a deer in the headlights. I agree. When, with you. when, when, when he has to man a kitchen at, at, at one of the biggest comedy clubs in the world, he would like, he could do it, but it's not the same right. as when he could fucking go out back and rip. I mean, listen, I, I don't want to know the state of the kitchen. I'm sure it's very clean, but let's be honest. I mean, people, people that work here, Listen, people, I'm reading Kitchen Confidential right now, actually, by Bourdain. People that work in kitchens are almost as damaged as comedians, if not worse. They're psychos. They're, they're awesome for that reason. But so, so, so I, I know there's some degeneracy that's allowed to happen in fucking kitchens. Yeah. Too, but it's not the same as when you can fucking go relax and you have people that you know that you went to school with come and play I'm cards in the back of. They work, they work five hours a day. Let's be, they work five Sorry. hours a day. The chef, they don't have the rush. They don't have rush hour there, right? The average, the average cook or chef in New York City works ten hours a day. That's the average. average. Christ. In Sicily, you're looking at two hours for two or three hours for lunch, maybe another two or three hours for dinner, and that's it. They're they working. Naps. Yeah. They take they naps. Which, nap. They can they incorporate naps into the day, man. I love those naps. naps. The, you know, it's, I it's, love those naps, man. It's very different. It's very different. Yeah, I, 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 I know. What, what's so, so? I don't know. What's 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 your biggest takeaway of like how different shit is in Partana in particular? But I think I mean it could be Partana. Name any fucking little comune in southern Italy. It's probably it's probably a very similar yeah, cultural experience. Sure, well, how does it how does it differ how does it differ from New York? Because I know the answer. I live in Montreal. It's a metropolis. It's not New York, but it's a big city. But like, what, what do you notice just in terms of how different? I mean, look, it's the way that people behave is completely different culture. I mean, they they're they're humble for sure. They're hardworking. You know, nothing really gets them down because I don't think they. I, I don't. Like we're we're so used to in this day and age of just absorbing everything, the news, politics, you know, you know, COVID, murder rates on the on the on the rise, all that stuff. When you're there, it's like you're in this bubble, and all that matters is what's going on in that town, because really, that's all they can do. They all help each other out. They all try to survive. They all try to blossom together, and it's a real community. Everybody knows everybody. And 
I don't think you really get that that much. Even in, even in the most rural places in the States and Canada, I, I don't think you get that as much as you get into this small community in Partana because they're like 30,000 people in this small town. It's a small yeah. town. And, and, you, and, you, and it exists in smaller towns too on, on a level even greater than that, right? right? Like I have a cousin. They who, all, they have this, uh, they have this, they have this olive oil that they produce and you might've seen it. It's just, it's the labels, Partan. that's all it is. And so that's oh, a communal, okay. it's oh, a communal, it's a communal, it's a communal thing. It's in a tin can. It's like one of those, you know, it's like a tin yeah. Is it one family? So, is it one family that makes not it? Not one it? family. It's the whole town. They all have olive farms. And, and they, they all... Do they, do they just kind of collectivize it? It's a, commu- uh, it's a communal thing. Okay. And they export it together. And they like, own the land. Every individual person, but they all choose to opt into this thing because it all, allows them to export it. All, almost every family has a small fucking olive farm. Even the smallest of them, of, of them still contribute. And like my uncle... He's not an olive farmer. But he inherited it, his olive farm. And, you know, he still maintains it and he still contributes to the communal pool of oil, basically. And like they have this well in the middle of the in the middle of the of the uh, farmland where you literally send you send a fucking bucket down and you it comes up with just the freshest Olive oil I've ever seen in your life. It's You're ridiculous. like, oh my god, is that olive oil? That's amazing. You couldn't, you couldn't make that up. If you told if you told someone that, you'd think they were fucking with you. It's it's it's, it's, it's incredible because it's because it's there's, there's some parts of that town that are very urban, and then there's you know this whole farm side to it that you didn't realize was there, but it's part of it, and it leads all the way up to the water, right, right up yeah. there. Right up until okay. Sala, so the so what happens is Partana meets Salanute, and then you're right on the yeah Salanute is where they have the uh, old Greek, uh, the the um, how they call those ruins ruins. So they have they have Greek ruins in Salanute. Okay, and that's that's a, Sic- yeah, very, Sicily was invaded like fuck, Ooh. and it's a very touristy centuries. It's a touristy town. It's a beach town. It's got the Greek ruins. So Partana touches Salanute. All the farms. Go right up to Salanunte, and it's all just olive trees everywhere, and it's a beautiful thing. And you know, if you want the best oil, olive oil you ever have, that's where you go for it. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, and it exists in parts of Italy that aren't even like rural. Like you, you, you get some of Absolutely. that. You get some yeah. of that. Um, I don't know. You kind of, you kind of get a, a a little bit of the same ideas that you're describing in like rome you do you do get more you get less of it in milan milan is very cosmopolitan european very very business very finance rome has that but i think it's got its little quartieri where you kind of have the same idea going on because again people are similarly involved in the community that they uh that they're a part of and and the community is simply just just a little a little portion of the greater Rome. Some people definitely do um partake in stuff that doesn't exist in smaller towns, like just working for a fucking big ass bank head office that you know that is something that might exist in Rome. Um there's a lot of business headquartered there in Italy, right? Not naturally, but you do have a lot of the same 
um, like behavior in terms of just 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 going out for lunch for like two and a half fucking hours. Oh, yeah, uh, businesses yeah. shutting down. You know, uh, but that's, I would say that's all through. That's all through Europe. Don't you? A lot of. I feel like I feel like I was in Spain in October, uh, September, and uh, I mean it was the same exact small towns i was in cadiz and uh and really that's how it all it shuts down it just shuts yeah it doesn't down. exist in the uk it doesn't exist in the uk in the same it doesn't, way. I think huh? ireland, ireland i think it exists a little bit more in ireland which isn't a part of the uk but it's kind of in the same you know it's, it's like another celtic country but it's very it's a very mediterranean thing it's, it's very greek portuguese italian southern french even, even just the 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 north of france too is very very much right. very much like that i mean the provisions are a little bit more a little bit more stuck up for sure but otherwise it's 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 uh it's something you see in all of europe you don't see it in germany it's odd you, you see it in so, sort of the southern horn of 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 the mediterranean and then kind of extends up into france it's 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 very unique it's very it's very fucking unique and it's i don't know it's it, it, there's like this idea of work-life balance that probably doesn't exist as much in new york um i, I think you do get it in small towns pretty much everywhere in the world the idea of work-life balance, but it exists in big cities in Europe in ways that doesn't in large American cities, right. Canadian cities. Yeah, and I think we, I think, I think if they did it, it might actually improve quality of life. You know you what know, I mean? I, I mean, yeah. It's not. Listen, we're, we're not. You're, people aren't supposed to only care about. Um, there's this weird thing that goes on where. An ecosystem has been created where large businesses are able to do what is best for them, which is have people work to um, drive profits for them right. by themselves individually right. doing what's best for them, which is try to make money by incentivizing certain practices and certain behavior that promotes things that aren't necessarily holistic or aren't necessarily um, I don't know, altruistic. It's not even about altruism. It's just shit that doesn't feel good. Shit that doesn't necessarily feel natural. Like, like they're not even necessarily enhancing their own best interests, but they're kind of trained. People are who work for big companies to uh, represent the business's best interest. And as a result, they kind of are representing their own best interest because it's incentivized. They're incentivized financially. They're kind of told, listen, if you want to keep sure. the fucking job, the, the, the carrot that's hung out, that's dangled in front yeah. of them is simply often, if you want to keep the job, we'll just, you do this or, you know, bitch, if right. not, we'll fucking get someone else who will. That's usually enough. That's usually enough yeah. to create this ecosystem where people are doing things that aren't necessarily what's optimal for them, but it's what they need to do because it's the only way that they could really make stable income. You know, it, it, it doesn't exist as much in uh, Italy or in other parts of Europe. The downside to it is they complain a fuckload because they think there's less stability. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there is an there is a, an employment issue in, in Italy for sure. I mean, they, they have a hard time creating jobs, um, which, you know, I can imagine, you know, really is tough on some people. Like I have cousins that are, you know, went to college for six years and, you know they can't get a job in their in their area of expertise. They won't That's... move, Chris. They, 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 they won't. They won't leave Trapani. You know what I mean? Like, like it's 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 give and take. You know, right. they, they'll go to school. They're very educated. The Cubans are very I, I educated actually, people, but there's no fucking opportunity to work in certain. I actually think it's kind of sad though, because even 
there are a lot of people that do move and they never come back. And so places like uh, places like Partana, and there's this town right next to Partana called Jibelina, right? Jibelina used to have an used to have a population of maybe a hundred thousand. Is down to like five hundred people. They probably all fucking went to Turin. There's so many Sicilians and Calabres right. that went up to Turin and work in the factories. And, you know, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, you got to decide what you want. You want to go fucking live up there and live that way? Or do you want to stay down here? And it's, it's always going to be this way. But the yeah. only way that this ecosystem can exist is if people are kind of stagnant and if people are vagabonds. They have to be. Once people decide to take initiative and, and take responsibility and take action, that whole beautiful life goes I, away. I bet I you know, and it's okay. You can't have it all. That's all right. You know, it's give and take. I mean, it really it's, it's kind of strange. It's like, what were they thinking when they built these small towns back in the day? What, what was a long-term plan? And I guess they didn't have one. And now, <laughs> yeah. and now you have, you know, you hear the stories, you know, people selling, you could buy a house in, in Sicily or Sardinia for a dollar. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, They're just trying to fuck, populate. this. Yeah, they're just trying to populate, man. It's sad. Even if it's a summer home, they're just trying to get people back into that town. That's the biggest sham ever, though, man. You oh, know, yeah. yeah you, ever read the, you ever read the fucking fine print on that? I mean, yeah. I was 18 years old, 19 years old. I was like, fuck, I have a dollar. I'll buy a house. Dude, the fine print is nuts. You got, you got to fucking upkeep it. You don't actually own it. Well, You're basically right, renting right. it. You're leasing it for the next 100 years. Right. So the government, to- the government basically says if you don't pay all these taxes and upkeep it, then you lose the house. So you're, you're, you're being, you basically, it's, it's a responsibility. It's like having a pet. You got to water it every, every day. It's like having a pet. So, <laughs> it is like having a pet. <laughs> exactly. And if you're not there, you need a caretaker. You need yeah, someone in the town. It's a fucking, it's a fucking pain in the ass. And then eventually yeah. you have a 12 year old dog with irritable, irritable bowel syndrome or fucking pug. Yeah, tell, me, tell me about it. <laughs> a pug that can't fucking breathe. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like, like, like take city off for a second here. Yeah. This is the cultural podcast here. May as well kind of fucking get on topic even for just a few minutes before we wrap yeah, yeah. The reason that we did this, man, is because you uh, and you follow the pod and uh, I, I, I followed you and I, I, I kind of was broadly aware of your work. But you, uh, you commented on a post of mine last week. I was fucking around. It was a bit. I was doing this bit t- saying how fucking <laughs> how I think it, it would be great if City not only adopted playoffs, but if they fucking just went full on, if they, if they they readopted the MLS penalty shootout from the nineties where they would take the ball at half field and they would have to go one on one with the goalkeeper. Like, 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 like in the NHL. And that I was wasn't even fair. Right. It wasn't yeah, even was, fair. Of course. And I, and I was, yeah, right. Right. And I, I mean, I was really pissed off because I put five units on the bills two weeks ago and they didn't even get a chance to fucking give Josh Allen the ball in the playoffs in a fucking playoff game. So I was pissed off at the fucking NFL rules. And I said, you know what? I think the U.S. is the best. America, number one, let's go. Apply those rules to City. Yeah, fully Americanized. So I was fucking around. However, I got to thinking about it a little bit because I don't want playoffs in City. Yeah, because I'm an Italian fucking closed-minded traditionalist. traditionalist but then sorry. I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Like, to, right now, City is kind of like Partanda. Right now, City A is... Uh, uh, it's it's a little town that's kind of backwards and that's okay, but it's kind of nice. They have a little olive oil collective that goes on. They got a little business. They got a little operation. People take naps. People can cook really well. The arancini are incredible. They'll never leave the town. You know, you have some people that'll sell their souls and that are like, listen, man, we got to get the fuck out of here, man. No, you don't get it. We're backwards. That's up there, man. Milan, and, what, that's where, that's and once in a while, at. once in a while, you'll get a guy from Brazil to move in. 
Yeah, yeah, well, well, whatever. Yeah, it's just a fucking, a fucking random guy that moseys, moseys on in. So, exactly, whatever. A uh, little foreign flair. But at the end of the day, it's its own unique thing. It's its right. own uniquely Italian, chaotic, fucked up thing. And I don't know if we should bring something that makes sense like the playoffs into it. Now, fundamentally, it makes sense that if you win, if you're first place, you play everyone twice home and home. Right. You're number one. It makes fucking sense. I, I think City to... I think City needs an injection. Well, needs, that's the thing. It, in, ter- in terms of in, in, ter- in terms of something exciting, that would be it. You wonder how long it'll be before other European leagues eventually adopt that sort of shit. I mean, the Super League was very close to coming to be last year. I don't know if it was ever actually realistically I think it was close, but idea. I think just, just the fact that they, they were open about it and discussed the plan, I think is indicative of the fact that they, that I mean, isn't, isn't they, that they realize the champ- that it's not. But isn't that what the Champions League is? Isn't what well, Super League yes. is what Champions League is? Yes, yes. It, By yes, the way, it I, don't want, I, don't, I don't want to watch Barcelona and, and, uh, and Man City play each other five times a year. I, no, that's I have no the desire thing. for that. No, it, it would be less special, but also the Champions League kind of is like the playoffs. It just lasts all year concurrent with right. the current season, but it's the previous year's playoffs. That's why it exists because it's it is fun that you can qualify. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fun but, to watch. But it's fun to think, okay, the best of the be- the best the, the best according to like a certain you know parameter that we've decided can go on and play each other. That is fun. That's why we like the Champions League. Right. But basically, what playoffs would be is. I don't know. What would be interesting is if they did a fucking additional tournament, maybe. So you have a scudetto that's awarded, but, but it's like in MLS where but you're you vying. You're, you're what are you what are you doing? You're vying for a spot in Champions League. You're vying for a spot in Europa, right? These yeah. are the these are those prime. Those are the prime spots. Those are what you you want to achieve. You want to achieve one of those spots. See, right. to me, if you're a team like you know Juve that goes and spends all this money. And and uh, and you know, grows their academy, and they do everything right, and they, you know, get number one, the number one spot. They deserve it. They're the number one team. They go on. They win Serie A. They go off and they go off. They qualify for Champions League. Mm-hmm. I think the rest of those spots should be playoffs. That's what I think. That's fucking th- fun. You know what? That that's unreal. I think if you're first, you're first, and everyone else gets to compete. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Because- because you know what? It's almost you know like what? earning a bye week, right? Juventus earned their they earn their number one spot and they earn their their rest. But everybody else has to, you know, clamor for those last two spots for champions, those three other spots for Europa. That's the playoffs. What I would really like to see too is just fucking just treat the teams at the bottom of the table like dogs, man. Make them fucking play a, a grueling end of season play in to stay in city out with the city I, B teams. I was, and I think the fucking bottom five teams, maybe the last bottom, one gets relegated yeah. like dogs. Right. And then the 19, 18, spots. 17, 16, 15, five teams all right. get I agree. Four, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, five teams all get I fucking agree. thrown into the I mud. Agree. And I think like the bottom uh, again, first place in city of B gets up. So they tip for tat swap. And then the other right. guys are playing out for like, Two or three it would spots. be. It, it would, would have to be, be an even number, but it would be must-watch television. Like you wouldn't be able to keep your eyes off of it because that's how intense it would be. That's what financial I th- stakes at play too. Yeah, oh, that, that, forget that, it, forget it. Life or death. It's life or yeah. death. Yeah, because here's the thing: the City of B playoffs, just like the Championship playoffs, and every other. I mean, in in England, like the Second Division playoffs, and every other major league in in European football, uh, 
I mean, they're all they're all electric, but the thing is, people don't always watch them because it's second division football, right? Right, right. But if you if you threw first division sides into the mix, I think then people would have to watch it. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Like if Newcastle, like if Newcastle had to play against fucking Luton, then people would watch the fucking playoff, right? 100%. Whereas, again, and again, people do watch the championship playoff, but not as many people as if you got Premier League teams involved. Yeah, that that'd be fucking fun. Well, I don't know. I, I thought we'd have more of a debate, but. I agree. No, what I'm saying, what I'm saying, like I, I hear you, like I hear, like you. Everybody wants somebody always wants to do something drastic. I just think sometimes it's that simple. It's like, hey, let's keep, let's make, let's keep some of the tradition, but let's also add in some new ideas. The penalty shootout thing, that was just absurd. When I would, when I would go to those games in the early days of MLS, and I would see that, I'm like, it must have felt what so bush. I'm like, so I'm like what am I watching? What am I watching? This is ridiculous. It is pretty electric, like, though. I'm like, it can't come down to this. Like, it just can't come down to this. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I mean, almost there was ne- almost never a stop. You know what I mean? I think, I think, I think it was 99 of the time they scored. <laughs> could could the goalkeeper fucking handle the ball outside the box? No. So that's he couldn't. Thing. He couldn't leave the box. He couldn't leave the box. He yeah, was stuck yeah, in the box. Yeah. You know that is that's a, that's a bunch of see, but th- that's why that's why Italians, that's why Europeans, but especially Italians are like, no, stay a fucking stay the fuck away from this right. game. We're afraid that you're gonna sit down in the boardroom and say, how can we fucking do something creative but the, and come but up the play- with that? The playoffs make sense. There's enough American owners now in the uh, in the city where they can maybe put some influence in there and like figure it out. I definitely think that it's the way to go. I think it's, it'll draw more excitement to you know to it and who knows you you know you might get a surprise team going to champions league like you want to see that every once in a while you want to see the cinderella team it excites you i mean look look what leicester city did to the english premier league a few years back it threw them for a whole loop they couldn't believe it this this you know small team that barely had any like big players came out of nowhere and won the freaking whole thing i I mean you want to see that once in a while. It's it's almost unfair that it's you always want to see that as a West Ham fan too. You know. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And 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 it's unfair. Like, look, Serie A for me. Look, I I can I can I can appreciate what Juventus has done. I can't stand the team. I hate them with a passion. I grew That's up. Fine. I grew up mostly Inter Milan because who else was I supposed to root for? You know, I, I didn't I didn't like Juve, so I just thought that was the team, right? And when Palermo, you know, got up to Serie A, I'm like, fuck it. That's my team now. I'm a Serie A. There's a Sicilian team. They're representing. I'm going to go and support that team with everything I have. And then the fucking scandal breaks because yeah. they can't. They can't. But that's keep the most up. Sicilian thing ever, man. That was the fucking most Sicilian thing ever. Chaos. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. like you're always prone to that when you kind of, when you kind of take on the, 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 those ideas when you when you when you don't adopt any modern business practices you can i mean you can you can allow i mean what, what happens is you're you're allowed you're allowed to experience these wild highs but the lows are really fucking bad right you're not hedging yeah, i mean somebody was a wild man rest in peace there's a guy from my neighborhood where i live here in uh in, in queens new york that now owns Palermo. he owns it from here he owns the he team no, his name is Tony Di Piazza. Oh, fuck. He's, okay. he's, okay. one of the, he's one of three owners. There's three okay. owners. 
And it's like, you own Palermo? Like, what the fuck are you doing with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Get off. It's gone like, to that point. We got guys like, like, What are you doing? Have an opportunity to do. What's I going to do? Not fucking buy Palermo? Of course I'm going to buy Palermo. What, the what are you doing? Do? What are you doing here? Get over there. Go fix the team. Get them back yeah. to City of B. Let's see something happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> but I think yeah. what, I, what would happen is, like, you know, those small teams do anything they can to stay in City of A. I would say a playoff would fix all that. Because, because imagine if you, know, you just get you have a good fucking season and you nab sixth place. So say right. say first place wins Scudetto, second place guarantees a Champions League spot. Then say then say like third through eighth play in for Champions That's League spots. Right. You imagine you're in fucking tenth place and you have something to play for at the end. That'll of the give season. that'll give a team like Fiorentina that's always like oh my god yeah yeah yeah, yeah just. Yeah. But they're exciting. They're an exciting team, but they're always just like missing something. That'll give them a chance. That'll give them a chance to get in and do that. I so like that's what I think they should do. That I mean, that's me. But I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But it feels like it's it's become the third league, which sucks because they were always number one for me. But they're like the third or fourth league now, and they got they got to do something. They got to do something to to change things up and get their fans back. And get players back, by the way. You know, City A is losing more players to Bundesliga and Premier League and, and the French League. The French League now, Jesus. Yeah, but, ever, but, it's, but it's like it's like one it's like one club that's poaching the best players at the highest, you know, at yeah, the highest, PSG, transfer, yeah. the highest transfer rates. I think, yeah, I, I know, but 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 ultimately, yeah. But when you got Marseille competing with fucking AC Milan, there's a problem. See, to me, I don't think Marseille is any anywhere near. The quality of what AC Milan is. Maybe, maybe. But I think what's really indicative of the power of the Premier League is that like Newcastle, who are like hovering just above relegation right now, if not in relegation, I think. Uh, They're in relegation, yeah. I mean, 18th I mean, spot. They're in the third whatever. spot. They're in the third spot, yeah. So a team kind of on the precipice. Right. A, a big club. It's still a team fucking doing garbage Huge. right now in the Premier yeah. League. They're competing with City Yacht Clubs. They're competing with fucking clubs virtually every league. I think that's indicative right. of how powerful the Premier League is. Mm-hmm. Marseille still I mean there's still a there's still a juggernaut within French football, right? I I get what you're saying, but the quality of the league, the quality of play in Serie A is good. It's gotten better the last 10 years. There was a fall off. A lot of people also have to realize that the 90s were just a golden era. You know, it's like it's 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 okay to look back they, with, with rose tinted lenses and say that the was the 80s too. I mean, I grew up on the 80s. I grew up in the 80s. I grew up watching City on the 80s. Like Diego Maradona yeah. made that league. He made that league. But there's and, nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with looking back at vintage stuff, saying, you know what, that was different. That was great. I missed that, and this is different now. Maybe I don't quite understand sure. it, but it's it, it's. It's tough because again, people grew up with it in the '90s and the '80s, and they kind of had it imprinted on their brain. They became fans of Parma, these fucking clubs that now are doing shit, right? But but that's that's okay. That's part of that's part of the contract when you when when you support a soccer team, man. Sure, dude. This sure. has been uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate you doing this, and uh, I'm glad we got to, to do it. It's great to get to know you, uh, you know, virtually, but uh, get, get to actually put, you know, put 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 a put a voice to the face. It was very, it was very, uh, it was very much uh, up to uh, up to fucking my expectations, man. You, you, your voice oh, is, uh, you, you, no, but you know, I'm no, losing no, no. my voice. I'm losing you know, my it, voice. It's unreal. It's unreal. You sound like a character. I fucking love it. 
Oh, anytime, man. I'd love to come back. We didn't even That's get brilliant. to talk about MLS or any of that stuff, but I'm, I'm happy you're a to big come MLS. Back. Yeah, well, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're a big fucking MLS guy. Whose team is the current? Whose team is the current champion of? Uh, of the we'll league. Come, I'll, come, I'll, say, I'll say this. I'll come back on right as the season starts. How's that? You're, well, you're welcome that's to. A, that's like what, an what, 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 season, what season you want to talk about MLS? To be honest with you, I never talk about MLS because I'm because there's certain things in a contract I signed that kind of prohibit things that I can and can't say. So I I, I heard you mention. I mean, I you I can't shit on other teams. <laughs> uh, I it's I, I'd have to I'd have to pull it up and see what I can and can't say. I don't touch it ever. Well, look, there's nothing but, bad to say. They had a great season. We had the leading scorer in the league. Uh, you know. He was fantastic. Castellanos was, was surprised everybody, really. I mean, we had no idea that he was going to score 28 goals and lead lead us to a championship. But it was a, it was kind of like magical in a sense because this was not the most talented team they've had. And, you know, it just, again, in a playoff system, anything can happen. And yeah. here they are, you know, like no, celebrating. It's a good team you guys have. The only thing is, I think – I, I mean, maybe ton, you'll have to rock it. What's I think that? there's tons of holes on that team. Tons of holes. They just, well, well, they just got hot and lucky. That's what I feel like. Well, I think the more pressing issue is the fact that you play at fucking Yankee Stadium, and I think oh, that has worst. to be rectified. It's not it's a place for football, but here's the thing. It's, you want a title there now? And again, you know that fucking expression? New York, baby. It's a fucking it's soccer happen. team. You play in the Bronx at fucking Yankee Stadium, and if you don't like it, get the fuck out. That's, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. We're we, we're close to we're close to getting approval. We got a new mayor now, and it looks like he's more about building a stadium than the last mayor. So we'll we'll get it done, and and it'll be a proper soccer stadium, and we're gonna we're gonna rock it. City Football Group, you got to think it would be fucking electric. But the only thing is, I think now you have to double down on fucking Yankee Stadium. I think you got to stay there forever and no just way, say, no that's way. New York, baby. I think it's that's a horrible what you have place. to do. It's a horrible I know. Place I know. But New York is a horrible place. It's nah, perfect. Like, they deserve better than that. <laughs> it's so bad, dude. I, I challenge you to come down to New York and watch a game. I'd love to. I mean, it's, it's hard absurd. to watch on TV, bro. You're watching at a fucking 45 degree angle. It's absurd to see a soccer field in the Yankee outfield. That's just the dumbest thing <laughs> ever. It's like it's like remember remember uh, remember when the fucking Dolphins would play? Was it at Hard Rock Stadium? Sometime yeah. I don't know how this would happen. Like there would be. And you see the baseball field. Yeah, 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 yeah. You would see the fucking yeah. stand underneath. It doesn't feel like something you should be seeing. I'm fucking. I don't know. You, you kind of get away with it in football because they sometimes play on turf and the and. and like an artificial right. turf is absolutely terrible. They cover it, but it still looks terrible. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like you can't get away with that in soccer, man. It looks like I don't know. It just no. it looks like a fucking yeah. It looks like a pitch in Africa or something. It's, it's <laughs> it, it looks wrong. It doesn't look like something that professional footballers should be playing on. But you want a title there? Who gives a shit about where you play, right? For the for the you know for all the optics yeah. involved with 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 some other teams in their stadiums and the fact that CF Montreal. Have a fucking nice stadium, great. You know, they, they've won Ugats, right? They've won fucking Katsugutse Wolf in the last 10 years. So, whatever, you know, credit to you guys. Um, but yeah, man. No, dude, I appreciate you. This was, this was a lot oh, of fun. Thank I, you, we, man. Thank I, you. I could keep going. I don't, I could keep going, but I think you have to, I no, think no. you got to dip. But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, do it another time, man. I appreciate it. No, this was cool, man. All the best, uh, all the best to you for the, uh, you know, the, the the coming months, the spring. I'll be, I'll be in, uh, I'll and, be in Montreal in July. We should probably fucking, 
get some street food or something. Oh, rock and roll, man. We, we, we were we were saying before the mics were hot that you've never actually met a Montreal WAP. And I think just as a social experiment, I should say to a few guys I went to high school with, listen, just pull up and just let's have a conversation and, and don't hold back. <laughs> And and Chris won't understand anything, but he'll be like, oh, this is this is different. This is unique. Um, yeah, it, it, they really they, they sound very uneducated, terribly uneducated, my, my friends. But it's some people say that about me, too. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Dude, uh, where can people follow you at? Uh, it's at Chris Italia, right? At, at, oh, no. uh, Chris C. Italia on Instagram. OK, you should follow wits.comedy on Instagram. We just started that account. And uh, the Stand NYC on Instagram as well. And, a lot know, of listeners we'll have, in New York. So, yeah, check out. Uh, we'll check have, out we'll have updates time. on the wits and, you know, some great programming. Like we have Chappelle all week, uh, tonight and tomorrow at the stand. So uh, tickets are up for sale right now. You fucking transphobes. Mistaken. You fucking yeah, transphobes you giving him a platform. <laughs> all right. All right, dude. All right, well, much respect, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this, is, this is awesome, bro. All right, man. Thanks again to Chris Italia for coming onto the pod. It was a fucking honor to have him on. Great guy who I loved just picking the brain of, man. So listeners, uh, get at us on all platforms at Cultural Podcast, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us at Cultural Podcast. Like our reels, man. Hope you guys are enjoying all the clips that we've been posting in recent weeks. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's sort of fun to sift through some of the some of the shit that, uh, <laughs> that, that I enjoy the most on the pod, but then sort of super cutting it to get it into a minute. It's always a fucking challenge, but it's fun, man. I don't know. It makes me feel like a YouTuber or some shit. I don't know. Makes you realize how difficult it is to actually edit YouTube videos. But Matt, like, th- there's a lot more of you fucking listening than are liking the reels. I don't know if I don't know if you guys aren't fucking on Instagram or what, or if you guys are barely ever checking out the pod shit on Insta. But you gotta follow us, man, on uh, Instagram at Calcho Podcast, all platforms. Please do follow us. It does help us out quite a fair fucking bit, dude. I got a fucking we got a we got a warning. We got a COVID trigger warning on the last clip I posted because. I was referring to how a guy got shot in Mexico. And they were just, I don't know if they fucking thought that shot referred to a vaccine. I think that's all it could have really been. I don't know what the hell else it could have possibly been uh, down to. But, but yeah, I don't know. Like, we're, we're fucking, we're fucking up against it, man. You see, they're fucking trying to censor us when we're, like, saying the wrong thing by accident, man. You guys got to like that shit, all right? Every little bit helps. And, uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you guys. I hope you guys all have a great rest of the week. Uh, got some midweek action in the Coppa Italia. That's always nice. Uh, always nice to see. Dude, what's great about the Coppa Italia is you always get these fucking, you always get these little upsets. You, you'll always get like a Fiorentina or a fucking Parma or like Sassuolo go on a little run. So enjoy that action, boys. And uh, man, we'll catch you next week. I'm uh, looking forward to it very much. It'll probably be like, a, you know, m- more of a regular pod. Uh, we'll be back to just riffing, talking about uh, calcio, chalk, you know, just just chopping it up, discussing whatever's on the brain. And until then, I wish you guys all the best. All right, so enjoy the outro. We'll catch you soon. And until next time, be well. Ciao. Lei mi chiede se son veri diamanti per chiaro Ordina ciò che ti piace poi pago Dammi quello che mi piace poi vado io
tuoi problemi c'è una calamità Ullala, uh c'era un cappanellinvita, guarda la mia faccia in tele, non mi serve un estetista, tu non sei vestito bene, ma ringrazio lo stilista. Ullala, uh fumo nel retro del van, faccio due foto coi fan, poi sparisco ullala. Uh a te piacciono i tatu, ma a me non mi piaci tu. Ullala, uh fumo nel retro del van, faccio due foto coi fan, poi sparisco. Dici fumo troppo ma in realtà ora fumo